Hello there, friends, and welcome to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, your enchanted passport and sometimes twister over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on American culture's most visited fairyland. We are your co-hosts, Tara and MK, your good trouble witches of the concrete jungle, here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, our third, we return to Baum and the turn of the 20th century, finishing up our remaining 13 books in the original Oz series penned by first royal historian of Oz himself, L. Frank Baum, and published between 1904 and 1920 posthumously. And then we return to Oz, taking up residency in Disney's dark, disturbing, and kind of delayed fantasy sequel of the Kinder Trauma Age, scarring viewers since 1985, a near 50 years after the MGM release. Wheelers in shock therapy and screaming heads. Oh my, we are in for a wild ride. Buckle up, babies. Off the pod, feel free to visit our Insta at Down the Yellow Brick Pod for an accompanying Technicolor scrapbook, as well as our Patreon Pod Squad, where we continue the escapism and entertainment with bonus content from Tiny Oz Concerts, think coffee shop style covers and mashups of Aussie tunes, our Yellow Brick vlogs, exclusive episodes, monthly parties with occasional special guest drop-ins and giveaways, and more behind-the-scenes shenanigans. As a community-funded podcast, our Patreons are truly our backbone, our people. So consider joining our pod squad today. It would make our day. Now, may the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals in New York City can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Hey, M, to Oz? To Oz! Michael Lee Richardson is a writer and screenwriter based in Glasgow, best known for My Loneliness is Killing Me, a BAFTA-winning short film which has been shown on BBC Scotland and around the world. Michael has written fiction and nonfiction for children and young adults, and has feature film and television projects in development with a number of production companies. Outside of writing, Michael likes 80s makeover montages, witches, and going to the shops. Michael, tell us your, do you have anything in your life? <laughs> what am I saying? Do you have anything in your life? Do you have anything in your life? Michael, anything. do you have anything in your life? this question? Do you have anything of Return to Oz like in that you collect that <laughs> just came out so wrong? <laughs> um, and that's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. Oh my God. Um, I'm not a I'm not a huge collector. I've got I've got the novelization, okay, okay. Uh, and and yeah, I I don't think I have anything else like from the film. To be honest with you, um, I've got a couple of posters and stuff like that. I do have the the very cheeky sort of poster that was on the front cover of the VHS so that has the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Lion on it. Um, it's like the sort of five minutes of screen time, right? But um. No, and, and, and maybe I should get into collecting. I do have to. Oh I, I dear, do... that's get ready if you. Yeah, know. have fun. <laughs> 
I mean, that's partly why I, I don't, because I, I am a person that has the collecting urge, and I know Same. if I get one or two things, that's kind of what we say, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, there's no space. <laughs> Where are we going to put it? Literally moving my books. I moved in August. <laughs> moving my books was like its own insane. day, its own thing. Like, it's just, and I don't have. I'm not even that crazy. Like, I'm still containing it to an apartment in New York City. So it's like, it's not like it's beyond that. But it's still such a feat. I have so many books. <laughs> can't collect. I can't. Like, but I do admire collectors, and I love like watching their videos on like oh definitely when this yes. is made and all of that. I think it's super fun. Well, let's talk about these Oz books that went out with Return to Oz. There isn't a lot of little books that were a part of the merchandising. The most wild to me is Scholastic's Return to Oz comic book. Number one, the cover of it is that beautiful graphic that we all love that was on a lot of the VHS covers. The one that is the Gump's Journey that did throw, though, the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, and um, the Scarecrow (laughs) on board, though we know that never quite happens. This is wild, friends. I'm obsessed with it. I just took a few notes. I'm just going to talk you through just some of the changes because it's not... It's like they did their own thing. It's like they watched the movie once and went, okay, and then made the comic. (laughs) So weird. Okay, number one... Toto is like Snow White, like just completely different color than the Toto of the film. Um, That's the number one change. Um, And then the first change they notice, the dialogue is also just so extremely altered throughout. Like there's a moment with um, Nurse Wilson where she's like, come back here, you little brat. Like there's a lot of that. Like where it's like, that didn't happen. Um, Also, they wait a week before they take Dorothy to the insane asylum, Uncle Henry and Aunt. Um, that's interesting. One of the coolest little add-ons I think that they did was on their way out of Cottonwood Falls, which on here it says population 12,617, it says here, um, for the population of Cottonwood Falls, because we were all curious. As they're galloping <laughs> to the um, hospital, there's a pumpkin head that's just kind of like chilling, like as like a Halloween decoration. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nice little, like something charming you could put on into a comic book of this. Um, There's some dialogue that we never get with Ozma, like the mysterious blonde girl just saying like, don't worry about me. Like she's taking care of her and like getting her shoveled on off in the whole frenzy with the lightning hitting and the lights going out and getting Dorothy out of this, this place, this scary place. Then it goes into Land of Ev. Like, it looks more like Land of Ev. It's technically Oz, but if you know Ozma of Oz, the book, it's a beachy beginning. They're on the sand, so they read the Beware of the Wheelers in sand, which is, that's identical to the book rather than the film version of it. So that's really interesting. Or it's written in pebbles in the sand and shells. The Wheelers, oink, like pigs. And I don't like it. What? Interesting. (laughs) That's terrifying. I'm not going to lie. They happen first. They meet the wheelers. They get TikTok and then they meet the wheelers. And then after the wheelers, it's all like out of order. They go and see the statues um, after TikTok defeats the wheelers. So they see the statues after. So it's a little out of order. And then they see Mombi. They meet Mombi. And I love this, that she puts on head number four because that's her usual greeting head. 
which is a weird little detail. Um, and then they she also She must have, be like, wearing this to greet. <laughs> yes, number four is the greeting head. I actually love that though. It's like assignments for each head. Yeah, like, that's kind of cool. This one in. I kind of love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, they also depict Dorothy when she does get the ruby red key to get the powder of life. They depict her with Belina doing all of this, which would have been so much for her to carry. She has to get the key, she has to get the powder of life, and Belina, too much. Um, the Gnome King doesn't have messengers in the comic. He also just walks around. Like when they go into his lair, he's just walking around. Like he's not like attached or like a part of this throne. So that's very odd. Um, he doesn't wear the ruby red slippers, which like, I, I want more graphics of the Gnome King wearing the ruby red slippers. Mm-hmm. Like it's I so need, We need more. And it's then so like, camp. it ends with, it's so camp. It ends with <laughs> the Scarecrow. Um, announcing the heir of Oz and then it quickly transitions into Ozma. And I will say in this comic and then one of the golden books, one of the little golden books, they show Ozma smiling coming through the mirror and friends, mm. it makes a difference. I am <laughs> not like saying like Ozma girl smile. Cause man, do I hate as a woman when people are right. like, smile. I'm, like, smile. I'm, not to, I'm not trying to say that, but I'm like, she really doesn't give off like a, I don't trust her as a ruler, like energy That's a little, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, she smiles in the comic, and then she looks fierce when she takes the throne in the comic. And that's my favorite part. Like, let me just show you, friends, and I will make sure to post this on the Instagram just so you can see. Okay, down below. Do you see how fierce she looks? Yes. Ooh, <laughs> I like, love that. She's like Sansa from freaking Game of Thrones. Like, she's like, I don't <laughs> Yes! She's like, Here I am. I've got this. Um, It's very odd. Then it ends kind of like how the MGM one ends. So the comic is by far the most wild out of them. And the little golden books are just hilarious. I have to. <laughs> Those are so fun. <laughs> They're so fun. I have the Escape from the Witch's Castle, which is exactly what we were like thinking of titling our Disney ride. Um, I just have to say how they start these books. Both of them start this way. In a famous story called The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy Gale had many wonderful adventures in the magical land of Oz. The story in this book is about Dorothy <laughs> returning to Oz with her friends Belina, the talking head. And then they like introduce like, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about <laughs> this. The illustrations in the one, The Escape from the Witch's Castle, remind me of like 1960s Barbie. That's what this feels like. Like 1960s yes. Barbie oh. did the illustrations. The ones... <laughs> M bought me this for my birthday last year for Dorothy Saves the Emerald City. These <laughs> illustrations are gorgeous. Uh, those this are feels- great. I like that one a lot. The best thing to note from this, and I already did a whole thing on the Instagram because I am a nerd, is the first image that they have of Dorothy walking down the Yellow Brick Road is clearly the MGM Yellow Brick Road. I even yeah. screen. I put them side by side. The trees are exactly the same. The trees have these mm-hmm. like faded pink-ish, like almost like a pink sunset esque shade to it the trees leaves this is the haunted forest mgm haunted forest <laughs> that she's in which is they just said so you know funny. what we've done it before let's just use that okay let's work for us this book cracks me up y'all have to read it it's so funny because it skips everything that is scary okay it completely leaves oh, out the wheelers and mombi's heads like mombi's just some random vein what yeah, all left out. There's no completely. wheelers or heads. Those no are like wheelers the or main heads. plot points. <laughs> and here's the best thing. I'm just going to read it to you out loud. And I can't wait to hear you laugh. <laughs> this is wild. This it's so fun. good. Okay, so we're we're at the Gnome King. Okay. Also, like the transition to the Gnome King is this. 
It was not long before Dorothy, Belina, TikTok, and Jack came to the Gnome King's Mountain. There's no mention of a gump. There they found that the cruel Gnome King had turned the scarecrow into an ornament for his palace. Here it is, friends. But Dorothy knew how to break the spell. She took the ornament in her hand and said, Oz! (laughs) (laughs) And there was the scarecrow safe and sound. So what a plot device. Wow. Wow. No, no, no stakes at all. She just they said, knew. we need to keep skipping ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead. <laughs> she knew. What is really funny at the end of this book, again, Ozma is smiling and I'm here for it. Look at her smile. Look at this like joy to be back. Isn't it exciting to see like not some like, does she have other <laughs> motivations? I don't know. Um, but this is a line actually, friends, that was cut from the script that it made it into this book and the Joan Devenge book. When Dorothy sees Ozma in the mirror, she was supposed to say, why it's me, but it can't be me. And this is what makes my theory think that she is Ozma. Like, I am going to stick to that theory still that I think Dorothy is Ozma. And like, and this is happening in this like altered reality that she can exist in, but no one else sees. And I do think like she's splitting in two almost like she's leaving behind part of herself to take care of the land of Oz. But the best is... The sad face this little Dorothy has taking putting the ruby slippers on Ozma's feet. She's Look like, no. She's like, damn it. That would be I me. Just, <laughs> I just got them back. Damn. I, I just, just want to wear these damn shoes. It's Gosh. so funny to me that that's the how they chose like to depict her like with a sad face putting it back. So this little this little nugget, you could find any of the golden books floating around Etsy and eBay. They're, they're yeah, just, they're and everywhere. they're not they're not a pretty penny. Like you could find them for no. nego- like good good prices. Same thing with yeah. the comic. The comic is out there as well. And then to get into the Delray, Joan Devenge. I mean <laughs> Joan. It is so good. And like, please pop in. Em, did you read it? Did you get a chance to read it? I know it's no. it's not yeah, yeah. This is on the I list. Only, I only, I'll give it to you after this. I Perf. only have it because I owned it as a kid. Did you, you owned it as a kid too, Michael? I got it from eBay. Oh, <laughs> um, excellent. With my VHS copy. Um, they came together. Um, oh, that's excellent. cool. They came in a set. I love that. I love that. Mm. That's the best thing about eBay is like you can get like little bundles <laughs> like that. But yeah. You can't get anywhere else. That's amazing. Yes. Okay, so just to talk a little bit about this book, I'm going to try to make this snappy because it's so good. I mean, I feel like I could have done a whole episode just on the book. But here's my like quick rundown of the Joan Devenge Delray novella. Go get this book if you are like really into Return to Oz because it is, it is. I think out of all the merchandise that exists, it's what you should own because it's so, it just flushes out the world more. Go for mm. it. Okay, so she references the MGM film more in this book, which goes to this Hmm. whole like conversation that we have, like as a sequel, is it a sequel? Um, She definitely puts the MGM changes into this world of Oz, such as she talks about Dorothy's first time in Oz and how she avoided like all of the witches traps that doesn't happen in the book. Like there's no Mm. witches traps in the book. (laughs) MGM changed how the witch would interact with Dorothy as she continued down the Elbrook road, that she would kind of be this hovering um, villainous presence the whole time. That's so that she had to directly take that from MGM. Like I said, when we started the episode, they referenced like having to let go of the farm hands because they just didn't have the money for it. And like, we know the farm hands are not a thing in the books. That's something from the MGM film. 
Um, And then I've talked about this already in our previous episode. The Aunt M backstory is everything I need. It is so good. Let me just give you a little taste of it. M was a good Christian woman. Again, taking that straight from MGM. Her father had been a minister and he had taught her to trust in the Lord's judgment. She had tried to lead a good life, raising her sister's child as her own after her sister died. She loved little Dorothy as dearly as if she were her own. The child she and Henry had never been blessed with. That life on a Kansas farm had always been one of the trials, disappointments, and never-ending work. And now she had thought the worst had finally happened. Things should have started looking up by now, but somehow nothing seemed to be getting any better. She felt her patience and her loved ones slipping away, and it frightened her. Wow. Mm. Right? That right? changes everything. Uncle Henry, we find out, is 48 years old, and she's four years younger. So they're, like, in middle age at this moment, but also, like, a bleakened – is that even a word? Like, a like a more hard-pressed right. middle age. Like, they're probably looking a little bit older, a little bit more withered just because of their circumstances. But, oh, I just love this. We get information that Dorothy only leaves home to go to Sunday services. She pretty much stays on the farm all the time. And we find out the Franklin population, their community's population, is only 17 people. That's Right? Very tiny. That's rough. That is rough. (laughs) That moment where they are off on the wagon and going to Cottonwood Falls, when they pass the homeless folks who are outside in their tents who maybe lost their home in the tornado. This moment gave me a little chill. Em looked away quickly, urging the horse on up the other bank of the stream. There were folks worse off than she was, but suddenly she felt herself too close to being in that unfortunate woman's shoes. Like taking a look at this woman who didn't have a home. What guys? Like this is like deep <laughs> stuff. And go like, Joan. Thank go you. Go Joan. Going right. Deeper. This is it the also, best part. I thought it makes me. It, it makes me. It makes sense if she, if Aunt Emma is very religious, right. especially that they'd be like, "Don't talk about this other world, like witches, anything." Right. I feel like, especially right. in that time period, that would be like absolutely not with a religious context. Right, right. I mean, Emma is just choosing to have faith in this age of miracles. They talk about how that was like the new thing. And she didn't have she's losing her faith in like what she usually believed in. So it's just beautifully fleshed out. Same with Belina. Belina's fleshed Mm -hmm. out a little bit more too, just to presence this. Um, Dorothy made her way through the ruffled and indignant white leghorns to pick up the yellow orange Plymouth rock hen she had raised from a chick. So Belina is Dorothy's hen which we don't really know much about this and named Belina because originally she mm. had thought it would grow up to be a rooster. Belina was now a plump and stately matron. Picks <laughs> 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 her up with effort, yes, moving her coppery gold feathers. And there's a note here: Belina had not been herself since the tornado either. And that's where she goes oh. off to talking about how she couldn't lay an egg. It's beautiful. There's another detail mm. in this that when they're going to the insane asylum, the storm clouds are like following them there, which I'm like, oh, that kind of like goes in with the theory of mm. like Dorothy's being sucked back and they want to get her. They're trying to save her. And this is where I base my whole theory that I started this episode in with like perhaps that Dr. Worley is the Gnome King in disguise. Like perhaps that's true. If you go to page 22 for anyone who does have the book, it's all verbatim of what the Gnome King will say later when he's greeting Dorothy at the insane asylum. Let's sit down and you can tell me why you've come all this way and what I can do to make you happy. He says that exactly word for word as the Gnome King. He's really interested in the ruby slippers. Um, he's also, there's notes on how he's like charming Aunt M. 
And that's like truly all he needs to do. Dorothy is not buying it. Like there's notes on that beautiful detail on that. Um, There's also a lot of like deadly, deadly desert details that we don't get anywhere else that really like fills in the blanks on that. I have to read like, this is why this book is so enjoyable. This is one of my favorite little tiny details. And like her writing is just so good. This is now we're in Oz. I'm just kind of flashing forward as fast as I can to get us through this. There is a Wheeler backstory in here, which is very similar what? to the Winged Monkey backstory. Let me just read a little bit of no. this. Once he and the other Wheelers, talking about the lead Wheeler, had roamed the roads of Oz, wild and reckless, but basically harmless. Then Mombi and the Gnome Queen had conquered their land, and the Wheelers had been forced to serve Mombi. Their only choice was to be turned to stone along with everyone else. They did the witch's bidding now and lived in terror of her magical enchantments, but serving her had not made the lead Wheeler any braver. And TikTok was here in front of him now, and Mombi was somewhere else and not about to save him." Oh, interesting, right? So they kind of have a winged mm. monkey like past where they were like they're they're just mischievous creatures that are being taken advantage of by these evil rulers, which is interesting. They confirm in this book that it is the Scarecrow's Palace um, before Mombi takes Aha, it over. That's yes. confirmed in here. There's some excellent little lines that she just like throws in that all that get me. This line got me. Dorothy thought unhappily that things were at least as complicated in Oz as they were in Kansas. Like sometimes things are just hard. Like I think that just speaks to like life is is a challenge. <laughs> wow, life is that's really an adult hard. Realization. Right? There's also something we breezed over on the pod, and this gets into some detail on um the secret pathway that Mombi has to the Gnome King Mountain. We didn't really talk about right. Like, that's true, and that's really fleshed out here. Um, also, the Wheelers are just so afraid of Mombi, and this is something that I love that she put in. Their dread at facing their mistress was matched only by their terror of her wrath if they did not return, for her evil magic could follow them anywhere in Oz. Oh God! So that gives a little bit of insight on <laughs> her scary. magic. That's like when she, the wheelers are off and running after the gump. So that's in that moment. But here's a little something about the pathway. Um, it was Mombi's secret pathway to the Gnome King's realm, the last place on, on or under the earth that any of them wanted to see. This is the wheelers coming to know that they're going to have to take her down through that. Mombi would surely blame everything on them, and the Gnome King's punishments were even more horrible than hers. Oh, I feel for them, right? Like, don't you feel for the wheelers? <laughs> Mombi flailed around her with her magician's staff, driving the panic-stricken wheelers down into the tunnel ahead of her. Oh, my goodness. So the tunnel... Mombi was never supposed to use it. They put this in the book unless it was an urgent matter. So she knew too, if she went there, that like it would not be good. Like she might never come back because the Gnome King is very powerful and she didn't even want to have to use this, but she was afraid that he wouldn't know of the chicken, all of that. So, and this was the tunnel Mm. the gnomes used to take all the emeralds back from the Emerald City and put it Ah, back in the Gnome King's mountain. I never even thought of that tunnel. That's so funny. It's amazing. And this book does a good job of documenting how wow. the Gnome King becomes more and more human as like the ornaments are, yeah. as he's turning more and more of our little ragtag team into ornaments. Also, duh, I didn't even think about this when like the earth starts to quake, when he's realizing that he's losing, he's doing it on purpose to shatter all the ornaments. So he can't, mm. they can't get them back. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Smart. Like, duh, of course. Um, 
Also, she gives a little breakdown. I'm really zipping through these. She gives a little breakdown of who Dorothy saw in the coronation scene, which is actually really cool. Oh, that's fun. It's so good. She saw so many faces, some of them familiar, most of them strangers. The Woodman and the Lion, TikTok, Jack, the Munchkins, the Wheelers, a girl dressed in rainbows. Another maid entirely of patchwork. A man in a baker's hi-hat. I think that's the bumpy man. A dizzying array of unique (laughs) and wonderful beings who all live together in one land. But who among them was suited to rule them with understanding and justice? But you know what? That's that's it. That's like, this is Oz to me. Everyone's like, Oz is so inclusive. It isn't though. Like everyone lives segregated. Like all these different people and creatures live separated what makes them inclusive is people who choose to be inclusive, like Dorothy, who chooses mm. to be like a scarecrow, a tin man, and a lion, and a pumpkin head, and a gump. Like she puts all these people together. So it really takes like some sort of unity because Oz actually isn't inclusive. It can be Although kind I'm, of separated. It isn't. Especially in the books. The rule the rule of Oz is inclusive. But the but how the people naturally But they don't interact, are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is not inclusive. But there are people who have that, and the people in power are inclusive. That's what's so fascinating about Oz. Well, the people now in power, not the wizard, not the wizard at all. <laughs> um, so it's amazing. All this is amazing. They mentioned too at the end that like neighbors were helping the gales out, which we don't get any sense of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, who and, are uh, the neighbors? The neighbors <laughs> come over to help Uncle Henry rebuild the house. Um, And there's a line in here that when Dorothy's like kind of realizing she's having this back and forth, like, do I tell Aunt M? And a lot of the lines that we talked about in our last episode are all here. This like conversation where Dorothy's filled in more on what happened at the hospital, all in this book. And there's a line that just sticks with me. Not everyone was meant to visit Oz is in here. And I'm like, that's what we can all say about all the things we like. Like when people just don't get it, well, it's like, not everyone's meant to get Oz. Mm -hmm. It's not for everybody. Um, Like any fandom or any, like anything that, you know, you love with all your heart, someone else is just not going to have that connection. And Mm -hmm. I love that realization for her. It's almost like not everyone's meant to like you either. Like people are not going to like you, but should that stop you from being you? No, it shouldn't stop you from being you. So just this book is everything yes. I just I flew through it because I want to get to a few more things for us here today. But that's the little novella. I I say go purchase it now on eBay, on Amazon, wherever you can find it. We don't get any so money fun. for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's on my list for sure. The return to Oz Bops. <laughs> the Bops. The Bops. Okay. Just to present I'm so them. confused. I'm gonna throw them out and then you guys hit me back with like what you deep dove with, <laughs> anything that you have thoughts on. Okay, we have the Return to Oz Bobs. Keep on Dreaming was a song that was released with the Japan release, I think accompanied the credits. I'm actually not 100% sure. But it sounds like every 80s, like, pump off, like, don't stop, pump up, like, don't stop believing, like, journey anthem. And I'm kind of mm. into it. But then there's Victoria Woods' Return to Oz. <laughs> That I also think, did it accompany the credits? Michael, do you know more about this song? Because this is like a question mark in my head. Like, how did this happen? Because she wasn't known for doing, like, Victoria Wood was known for doing, like, spoofy things. And this isn't spoofed. Like, it feels very serious. This is real. (laughs) Tell us more. No, it's it's so peculiar. I I mean, I don't know that much more, to be honest with you. Um, It's, uh, yeah, Victoria Wood's a, a, a British comedian uh, she passed yes. away a couple of years ago yes correct um 
she uh yeah she's she's known for having a sketch show she wrote a sitcom called dinner ladies which is um like a, <laughs> a brilliant bit, I be on of, that. <laughs> bit of comedy um, sounds amazing and she does she did do um sort of comedy songs uh, but they're very much like you know funny jokey songs this that isn't that perform. right and this is not that okay she's okay, also, like, was she trying to do that for this because like I guess, like, you know, you could do anything in the 80s with a sense of, like, hair, you know, wind blowing in your hair and it'll be funny Oh, now. yeah. But and it it's doesn't fun. feel like yeah. that. No, it's not. A, it, it doesn't feel like a joke. I think I think as well, like, what, what perplexes me so much about this song as well is that Victoria would, I, d- I don't know how old she would have been at the time, but she's always had the sort of vibe of a fussy middle-aged lady. And I feel like there were probably cooler pop stars to, Come and do this, but it's Victoria oh. sort of Wood. But it's Victoria Wood. But it's like my gosh, me it's I think it's, she's like yeah. early thirties. She's like yeah. early mid thirties. But she gives off like an older. But she gives off the older she's got vibe. That kind of slightly. Oh, that's funny because obviously, like not being from the UK, I feel like I wouldn't know of her. I hadn't heard of her. Um. And I just assumed like, oh, she must have been like a big music star over there. No, but apparently not. not. No, no. no. Did it play with credits in the UK? Like, that's what I'm also a little confused on. Not to my knowledge. I th- You know, the, the credits on the version I've got has got. Yeah, because I didn't even realize this was a thing until a couple of years ago. Me neither. Uh, wow. I, I saw somebody wow. like posting about the, the, uh, the vinyl and I was. I I almost thought it was like a joke or something and then like went and listened to it and it's it's just so odd. To me it it sort of brings to mind um the song from the never ending story the yes. song it feels mm, like That's a, what it's trying to be. Yeah. A very conscious trying to be that yeah. but 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 as with everything with this film just sort of doesn't qu- it isn't yes. quite it misses what a mark. People think it should be. Right. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. Okay, well, listeners, here's a little sample of Keep On Dreaming, (laughs) followed by a sample of Return to Oz. Let us know which one you'd like us to cover. If you play the slippers on me right now, Tear, I hate to say it, but I'm going to play the slippers on you right now. No, MK, but I was just four yellow bricks away from winning. Sorry, girl. That's how it goes in the land of Oz. Y'all, though I am totally losing, Em and I love to play Home from Oz, a two to four player card game released in 2019 that all ages can truly enjoy. There are not many games that allow both adults and kids to play together, nor everyone actually having a chance at winning. But Home from Oz does just that. Inspired by L. Frank Baum's classic tale, your deck is full of characters and magical objects you already know and love. 
The goal is simple. Collect enough brick cards and play the charm slippers before the other players and you win. However, actually achieving the goal is a little more difficult. Other players will try to set you back using menace cards that steal, skip, slow, and stop, like MK just did to me. The wizard and tornado make cards change hands, so just when you get confident, you may lose everything. As you make your way home by following the yellow brick road, as I am right now, you will encounter both friends and enemies. Beware of the winged monkeys or the fighting trees that will try to keep you from reaching home. Gain protection from obstacles by befriending the cowardly lion, tin woodman, and scarecrow. The wicked witch will try to stall your progress, but just as your friend Dorothy realized in her own journey through Oz, a simple bucket of water will get you back on your way. What will happen when you encounter the wizard or pass through the poppies? Well, you'll have to play to find out. The original card game is available now at homefromoz.com. That's homefromoz.com with an expansion set coming out soon. Ah, Tara, as I'm on the verge of victory, I can confidently say there's no game like home. Get out. Are, are we talking about um, Scissor Sisters now? Oh, you want to talk about the Scissor Sisters. I mean, us. all I know is there is a song called Return to Oz. It's great. By the Scissor Sisters. Mm. And apparently they were like a big deal. This album was. They're still a big deal, I think. 2004. So, yeah. yeah this The album is called also Scissor Sisters. Um, But I hadn't heard this. And when I listened to it, I was like, oh. Interesting because right? it direct and, and there are some like YouTube fan videos of people yeah. making like return to Oz footage with this song because it there's directly whole, references there's like, a whole Oz wiki on this. Ah, got it, got it. It directly references like um the queen with a hundred heads. Yes. She tried the last one on, it couldn't speak, fell off. Now she wonders the halls. I mean, it like, was 30. There's... It was 30, but like, do you? <laughs> um, excuse me, it's not 100. <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I, this is all I really know. I've read comments that it might be about drug use. Yeah, it's an allegory for crystal meth abuse is what it says That feels That feels correct. On the <laughs> so I'm going to have to listen to it a few more times. The song is about drug abuse within the gay community, especially crystal meth. In the words of wow. the frontman for the band, Jake Shears, the song is about friends I have had who became lost along the way. Wow. That's what's on the Oz wiki. There's a whole, yeah, like analysis on the page, which is cool. Um, It's a cool, it's a cool little ditty. Here's an excerpt from that song right here. My favorite quick little rabbit hole is the Disneyland electrical parade, which is obviously one of the most iconic things in the world. At one point had a float based on (laughs) Return to Oz in the 80s Um, from the I believe this is now the Disney wiki. 
Oh, this is a whole like Main Street Electrical Parade fandom page. <laughs> um, okay. The float was the, okay. The float was Fair. a box shape, had reflective mirrors um, that resembled Mobby's palace. There was a live actress playing Dorothy, seen holding Belina, with more live actors as Oz citizens, including some puppets depicting TikTok, Ugh, Tin Woodsman, Jack. Um, and there are a lot of photos on Google. Yes. Like there, could find it. They. This is my jam. Like. I will stay awake at night just thinking about these photos, being like, who are these people? Where are they now? What's going on? We will find them. It's, I mean, she's holding a puppet chicken, it appears. It's so, the costumes are so different, except Jack Pumpkinhead looks very similar. They look on the money to me. They're very different. I think they're different. Like, okay. To me, Dorothy, it just, it looks more heightened 80s Disney. Sure. You know, like satin, (laughs) satin fabrics. Um, Sadly, the float was removed from the parade within a few months when the film underperformed, quote unquote, in theaters. It was later destroyed when it caught fire from the reflective mirrors. Oh, my gosh. What? I mean, that's the best. What? It went like all the heads start screaming in the mirrors and it went up. (laughs) That to me is the craziest thing ever. Like, what are you talking about? They did sell at Disneyland at this time a charm bracelet, which I don't think you can find anywhere of the Return to Oz characters. It's like in a gorgeous (gasps) Disneyland box. Uh, like so they did even okay have we need some, to find that they did have some disneyland merch and tokyo disneyland also because it was embraced a little bit more in japan had some really cool pins that you can find but again like goodbye to your children's college tuition uh, yeah bye bye money <laughs> <laughs> the storybook land canal boats at disneyland paris is it still there yeah has yeah it's still has, there. I've been okay recently. oh cool cool it has the the castle is it not at disney world no it's the only place oh, wow. it's at. That's it. That's what's so wow. wild. It has the castle, but it's it's very peculiar because it's it's from Return to Oz because they use the um yes. the rag march music on it. But it's the designs of the characters and the designs of the of um the Emerald City don't necessarily look like <laughs> the film. It's it feels slightly cheeky of a, a way of yes. Uh, Popping the Wizard of Oz into there. That is so they, wild to they me. They had like little tiny versions of the characters, but I think they're now gone. Oh, like, dang they it. They're not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I see them on Google. Well. No, I see them, but they, you're right. Like they're not, not there very anymore. Return to Oz esque. They're very different. It's cool though. I like how they imagined the castle and like it's, it's, it's cool. I'm glad like that's the only like thing that acknowledges the Oz universe as a part of the Disney like fairy tale land universe. So I'm excited that it's there, especially with everything with Rock Candy Mountain not getting made and all. I know it's so cool. But again, like all Oz attractions don't exist in America. Like Australia is going to be the first one with like a Wizard of Oz theme park. We're we don't have anything here, which is just so funny to me. Okay. Wild. Let's talk about okay, like Who's your favorite actor or creative from this to follow now? I mean, I am all about Team Fariza Bulk. I even fell down like a little rabbit hole with her. <laughs> She's supposed to have a podcast coming out with one of her no with oh, one of her excellent. craft co-stars, which that mm. gets me excited. She announced it in May, and there hasn't been any developments since. Um, but she's just like 
owns that she's an artist. She does what she wants. She doesn't really like to be mainstream anymore. Um, she takes on like mostly independent films, but she's also a visual artist and like singing in a band called Armed Loved Militia. That's like hard right. driving rock and and like folk inflected ballads. Like, and because she's such an icon, though, like I don't even think she really knows how iconic she is, and it is very niche iconic, like the craft, especially blowing up. Um, for her but there's a song by this band called that they did an npr tiny desk concert called fragile rock they have a song called fruza bulk that they do and it's just an ode to the actress which <laughs> is amazing but i of course like fruza is someone i hope we get to talk to um on here like i'm obsessed with her as a being like she's so witchy and does her own thing like she's not about like buying into the hollywood systems of any kind like she kind of just is a genius actor an enigma yeah yes as someone who was a child actor as well she seems very very um she seems to have gotten it right and i'm not quite sure how but like as as you know still working but right she hasn't and, gone totally off the rails. Right. And she does whatever she wants. Like, it feels very mm. much like a conscious choice. It's coming from her, not like publicists and agents and blah, blah, blah. Like, she's kind of removed from that. And that's a beautiful thing. And the other person, all presence, and we've already done this on the Instagram, Sophie Ward, who plays Mombi 2. <laughs> yes. Is... Everyone needs to know about her. She is a gay icon, which I didn't know. Like, I know. She's so great. She's magical and, like, another, like, wild, like, career of becoming this now, like, award winning writer. Like, what? And she's just stunning. And her and her wife really shook shit up in wow. the in the west end and in um british film when they chose to walk on red carpets together when and that was like not something that mm. like england was okay with and they did it and she like how she navigated private life with public life is really stunning to watch so you all go follow sophie ward she's dr sophie ward excuse me by the way yeah um, go follow her she's magical and like she's someone i'm so glad i know especially michael sundin as well who played tiktok who's no longer with us they're probably my two favorite folks i didn't know anything about prior to return to oz that i got introduced to because of their work in return to oz and of course, Walter Murch. I just think he's a genius. And I kind of want to read his book on editing. In the Blink of an Eye, a perspective mm. on film editing. Because I feel like mm. you can learn life lessons in that. You know what I mean? Like you could pull what he's saying about film editing and take it and make it a life lesson. Because he's just such a genius. Um, so Walter, I just, I'm sad that he didn't direct more. But what he has contribute, contributed to film is pretty insane when it comes to sound design. So those are like my three mm. shout outs for like cast and creatives post their time in this film i was just on fruz's instagram it's it's a ride there's a lot going on here and she's i love interesting. it she's does cameo she, she's like she does cameo uh-huh. there's like some witchy stuff here Patreon she, like, coming. the way she writes is very interesting i love it um i love it too i'm here for it I want to dive more into Jean Marsh and just her body of work because I feel like she has Uh a lot to get into that I haven't seen personally. And just kind of adjacent, I want to go further into the Jim Henson Creature Shop and Dark Crystal I haven't seen. Like, I feel like I have some 80s Jim Henson big, big films to get into. So that's kind of where I want to go. Which were all underappreciated at the time, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so crazy. Like this totally falls in the same ballpark as those films. Cause now there's like, mm-hmm. you s- I mean, Colt's I was following. Wa- I was walking through target Fraggle rock shirts, shirts everywhere. Like right it's now. everywhere. So it's like, I was like, right, because this is like having a resurgence. It's having a revitalization moment and people get yeah. it now or people are more accepting of it now or it's more palatable. So, yeah. so fascinating. I just want to see this with Return to Oz. I would love for it to get a moment. <laughs> yes. What about you, Michael? Um, in terms of cast, I, I would I would agree with Feruza. That's somebody who, I was a teenage goth and you're never not a goth. So she's somebody who's... <laughs> Career, yes. I sort of kept up with yes. through the craft, and she's such famous. a goth. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Never not a goth. I she's love like it. a Hollywood yeah. goth. Like that's the thing. Like she does, and that makes sense to like her doing her own damn thing. Yeah, mm. I love it. A mm. little bit of a rebel. Um, she also like fairly recently. It's a bit of a spoiler, but she does have a cameo in the remake of the craft. Um, that's super. Nice <laughs> so cool. Um, and and Michael Sundin as well is somebody who who I I, I yes. think got quite sort of f- focused on and fascinated with. Um, I guess Blue Peter in the UK is like a national institution. He was a a presenter on this children's magazine show, uh, Blue Peter, after he'd been in Return to Oz. Um, it got him and, the job. Return to Oz got him that job. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? Um, which I just think is is fascinating, and his. Um, his sort of story, I guess, is that he um, lost his job on Blue Peter. And it's always been speculated that that happened because uh, it came out in the press that he was gay and he died of HIV um, AIDS uh, quite young, I think 28. Um, mm. And yeah, just a, a sort of fascinating, slightly uh, just just yeah and like we were talking about earlier, that kind of whole generation of men, like in part of that whole generation of men who are just gone and i think there's yeah uh, yeah as a mm-hmm. it, he's somebody I've, I've i've been interested in as a as a as a figure there was a, a somebody not that long ago talking about writing a book about michael sundin and i hope that mm, happened that'd be and awesome that kind of story told somewhere that is yes. so beautiful there's this account that one of our patreons dan suggested for us because we did a whole like michael sundin tribute and a lot of people were commenting on it because Mm-hmm. They didn't know. Um, like mm. you wouldn't know, especially Americans wouldn't know because we're not connected to Blue Peter as folks in the UK would be. So we just didn't have this like any understanding of like what his life was. But there's this amazing Instagram account called the AIDS Memorial um, Stories mm. of Love, Loss and Remembrance. And they highlight folks who have passed away from AIDS and just keep their spirits and their stories and them alive through these shares Mm. and people comment like crazy. Like I knew this person. It's just really beautiful. It really is like a, a digital memorial place. I do think it's important because we did lose people in like, not even some of them weren't even in the prime of their life. They were like barely adults, Um, Mm. you know, and it's, it's good to present sex. This is especially in this time in the 1980s. This is what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, friends, last closing remarks. What do you want for the 40th anniversary? What do you want to see happen? I want so many things, but I think like your um, all the stuff you've been sharing on Instagram recently, like connected to this film, makes me want that collected somewhere in like a nice coffee table book or something yes, like that. Yes, love um, that. I feel like that might be slightly. <laughs> um, 
a big ask for Disney, who seem to not I want agree. to acknowledge that this film exists. Right. I agree. That's but, what uh, we decided. It's so yeah. cool, though. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that stuff collected somewhere. Um, and 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 as we were talking about during the merch thing, there's a lot of like fan made merch, but it'd be nice to see Disney like license some you of know, it, doing some of it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, something. We, we could at least get a, a TikTok Christmas ornament. Come on, it's yes. not something. Like, oh, that would something. be so fun. T- TikTok, who has lived a nice life, I think, on Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that crazy to think about so wild um I no i agree him. like just give us something disney like just a, like a bone we'll we'll all freak out you'll make your money back Don't can worry. you imagine you'll make you'll make the money back <laughs> that's all they care about i think sometimes my dream is so recently i saw actually tiffany um follow the Elbert girl post this mm-hmm. about i think it was at disneyland and on the cruises they had like mickey Minnie. A couple of the characters, like in the actual, you know, well, they are the characters. They're real. So they're not wearing anything. Um, But they are dressed as the witches, the Sanderson sisters for Hocus Pocus 2 Mm. to like promote that. And she was freaking out. And I was like, this is so cool. How cool would it be if like Halloween time they had the characters at Disney dresses like Mombi, Dorothy, Jack? Like, I don't know. There's a way to do it. And then isn't there, I think there's a little movie theater in Disneyland. They could have like a return to Oz showing. I just think that would be iconic. I'm mm. here for it. Something in the parks. Something Because it's park. a Disney property. Like bring yeah. it to the parks, you know? I mean, I would like them to open our ride. I think that would really be I great. I think that could happen, you know, very soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. So, okay, we have a coffee table book, something in the parks. I'm going to go with in major cities – a yeah. symphony orchestra oh <gasps> that is exactly mm. it like That's a radio not, city yeah like so it can be accessible <laughs> yeah radio city yeah it could be accessible yeah. like it, there should be one in london there should be one yes. in new york there should be one in la chicago like major cities where people would flock to this this um, would be a great one to have the movie with the orchestra what you're saying that, would, that be would be beautiful absolutely insane david shire yeah. in the audience i'm done Oh, like getting you could say hi to him now. You I could, could uh, I'm sorry. I missed you <laughs> yeah. at baby, which was also fun. But like, I hope you're, I hope you're having a moment right now. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's what I would like to end with. It's just, yeah. I, we hope Return to Oz has a Kate Bush Stranger Things moment. Like it comes it back. It could. Mm. So that's the hope. And the 40th anniversary, like who do we have to talk to? We'll write the return. We'll write the Return to Oz. We'll write it. We have a few years. We, we got to open our to ride. Go. We're writing yeah. a book. We're starting the Deadly Desserts. We have a lot on we our plate. We have a lot going, but like <laughs> writing a book, no problem. Let's do it. We're fine. We can do this. Oh my gosh. <gasps> listeners. Well, first, for listeners, we love you. We have to thank our fabulous guests who came on today. Michael, thank you Woo! so much. Thank and you. Michael. It's been lovely to yes. chat about Return to Us. Oh, yeah. the best. And Nate, another so shout fun. out to our friend, Nate. And we're going to take a little break. We're going to be back with some Slipper Hood interviews to kind of finish us out. And then we're going to get back into Disney, conclude our time in Disney and Oz. We did a whole Patreon poll of like what other Disney property that is associated with the rest of the books rather than the wonderful Wizard of Oz. What property would you like to see us do? Disney won unanimously. So we'll talk a little bit more about Mm -hmm. the Rainbow Road to Oz. We'll talk about some of the Disney records. 
And of course, we'll talk about Oz the Great and Powerful with clenched. <laughs> I'm excited. We're gonna bring on someone who freaking loves that movie. Who loves and that it. that will balance yes. our like gumpy grumpness. Where did you find them? <laughs> oh. He's a fabulous person, too. He's we'll a dear it, friend. We'll keep it a mystery. Which also, I don't know, I haven't seen it in a while. So, Terror, I mean, knowing me, I'll be like, I love it. No, you won't, you won't, you won't. <laughs> and you'll you be like, stop. <laughs> so, mystery. The jury's out. We'll see. We'll see you soon, friends. Um, enjoy Return to Oz taking you into your fall season. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, just to add another theory into the mix, because this is fun. This is from our Patreon, Joey. Okay, this is a theory about Emerald City, the palace connection and return to Oz, and an Ozma theory. Here we go. In general, the way I see the Emerald City is like the Hearst Building in Manhattan, and it's informed by the canon lore as well as Don Abbott's How the Wizard Came to Oz. He is sourcing, Joey. Okay. The capital city, including the Royal Palace of Oz, existed long before Oscar Diggs, that's our wizard, landed in Oz and was ruled over by the generations of Oz rulers descended from Luraline. Remember her? I call that the Old City. Good for you, Joey. Then Oz Diggs lands and assumes the throne and has a new modern and massive expansion built around attached to the old city seeing as how green is the color of the central region and oz comes from the capitalism of the united states and his idea of how a king lives comes from our world he has the city decorated in jewels and emeralds he has an expanded wall built around the city like european castles and within that he has his own grand palace and throne room built, fortified against the witches of Oz and where he can hide. This is how the Emerald City comes to be. Now, how does Joey connect it to Return to Oz mythology? Here he goes. Mombi is a mediocre sorceress. He said it here, folks, just as in Land of Oz. Oz doesn't kidnap Ozma and take her to Mombi, meaning the wizard doesn't kidnap Ozma and take her to Mombi. He has Ozma held prisoner in her own palace, like it's the Tower of London. And Mombi moves in to guard her as a prisoner and enchant the palace to keep citizens from discovering her. That's the greatest magic she could manage to do. When the Scarecrow becomes king, he sits on the throne in the wizard's palace. When the Gnome King overthrows Oz and discovers the truth, he promises the heads to Mombi and uses the ruby slippers to boost Mombi's powers enough to banish Ozma into the other realm inside the mirror. That, combined with Ozma's innate fairy magic, is what allows her to astral project to Kansas and find Dorothy. The Scarecrow sends Dorothy the key, not knowing she lost the ruby slippers. That's a good point. How would they know? And can't just click her heels to come back. Ozma, trapped in a world which is basically the upside down from Stranger Things, yes, sees all of this happen and knows about the ruby slippers, and that is why she springs to action. So Ozma's the watchful eye on all of this. Last things from Joey. The wizard's original disguises. Oh, bring it back. The beautiful fairy disguise that he uses with the scarecrow is one of Ozma's royal gowns. Oh, yeah. And the mask is based on a statue of Lurleen that the citizens would know so that if anyone ever did have an audience in his throne room, they see Lurleen sitting there. The terrible beast Denslow never drew for us? The pelt of a Kalidaw, augmented to turn into something new. 
The ruby slippers, they're actually the silver shoes and belong to Ozma, a gift from Glinda to Ozma. Oh, Glinda's in. Silver from the very foundations of Oz, encrusted with rubies from the Quadling country and enchanted by Glinda for Ozma. That is why Glinda knows so well what they can do. Mombi takes them from Ozma, has no idea what they can do, but knows they are valuable and trades them the Witch of the East in exchange for spells and charms, like she tends to do with others. That's how they get the ruby slippers. Oh, interesting. The witches of the East and West know they are magic because they know Glinda gave them to Ozma. And so they know they have great power, but not what it is. That's why Locasta, who is our good witch of the North, tells Dorothy she doesn't know their charm. Joey really thought about this. Shout out to all these amazing theories connecting these amazing worlds of Oz going from source material to new material. This is awesome. so much for listening to down the yellow brick pod if you are feeling fresh with your fingertips scroll on over to apple podcasts and now spotify woot woot to leave us a glowing rate and review it's a big help each person who leaves us an apple review will be entered to win our end of the season oz giveaway including a gift basket of aussie book goodies that trust me you aren't going to want to miss All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Further fun and ways to support us can be found at our Etsy swag shop from Goodwitch Trouble merch to our new Fab Four of Oz icon collection with a big shout out to our graphic designer, Maddie Frank. Find us also on Patreon and Instagram via Down the Yellow Brick Pod, as well as on Venmo at Down the YBP. We always appreciate a tip to you. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? Okay, Auntie Anne.